think if there is any part of the gospel tradition almost universally known in Western culture, it would be the Beatitudes. Even people who are not regular churchgoers or maybe haven't been in years know some version of blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. Yet the Beatitudes most generally known are from Matthew's gospel in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And you'll notice none of those were read today because Jesus didn't say them in Luke's gospel in his Sermon on the Plain. And I think Matthew's Beatitudes are more popular because while Jesus does have some woes to pronounce, they are way later in the chapter, so we can just skip on by them or leave them out. Because the good stuff is at the beginning of that chapter. Matthew puts Jesus on a mountain, delivering these blessings high above the people, elevated above the crowds. And for Matthew, this is supposed to prompt us to match up Jesus with Moses. How Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law from God, the Ten Commandments, the covenant for how to live rightly with God and one another, and then bring it down to the people waiting below. For Matthew, the Beatitudes are this full expression of living according to God's law. They are presented as a framework for disciplined living through which we grow in right relationship with God and neighbor. Blessed are those who, that describes a way of life. And that's wonderful. It's not Luke is better than Matthew or Matthew is better than Luke. They're just different in how they present these teachings, these core teachings of Jesus. And so to understand Luke, we also needed to get a flavor of Matthew to separate the two. For Luke, Jesus Jesus is described as coming down from a mountain where he has spent the night in prayer with God. He comes down to stand on a level place where he can look people in the eye and delivers beatitudes that are immediate every day, inseparable from the joys and sufferings of life. In Luke, the blessed are just plain poor and hungry and grieving. Not in spirit, not for righteousness. They're just poor, hungry and sad, needing good news. We can't look past these folks in Luke to see something loftier. Because Jesus is blocking our view. Jesus is right on the level with us. I lift this up to think about what a difference perspective makes. In Matthew, I sense Jesus looking down, inviting those who hear him to come up and see the big picture, describing a new covenant community of pure hearts who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness. We need that. But in Luke, I sense Jesus is looking right at me, as if to say, what are you doing right this minute? 
People have come from miles and miles around to hear good news and experience recovery and healing from their troubles in body, mind, and spirit. Will you come down to their level with me and help? For Luke and his community, the Jesus they needed was the one they could reach out and touch, a savior they could relate to, a Messiah who knew about the mountaintops and the valleys of life, and who could speak to both places from a level place. Jesus preaches a mixed message that is undeniably literal and personal. Blessed are you who are poor, who are hungry, weeping, even hated. Woe to you who are rich, full, laughing, and well-liked. Those woes sound harsh to our ears, accustomed to hearing about God's unconditional love for us and our acceptance. But woe, to be clear, does not mean cursed. Perhaps we've taken it to mean that in our 21st century way of saying, woe be unto the people. I got that as a kid sometimes, trying to be biblical in watching out for punishment. Woe be unto you if you touch that dessert before you had your dinner. But that's not how the prophets used the word woe. That's not how Jesus uses the word woe. Jesus is calling on the prophetic Hebrew scripture way of describing a woe. It's a challenge or a warning or a reminder to the people that they are not behaving in the way that makes God pleased. The prophets talk about woes to convey God's displeasure, usually over the behavior of those who are well-to-do, as a way to prick their consciences about how did you gain your wealth? What are you doing with your power? How are you exercising your privilege when it comes to your relationships with other people? These woes are a challenge, a reminder that in the realm of God, Those to whom much is given, much is required. So when Jesus speaks on our level, nobody comes off with a completely easy conscience. That's why it matters where we stand. Father Greg Boyle, a Jesuit priest who ministers alongside former gang members in Los Angeles, He helps run the homeboy ministries that are amazing if you want to check that out later. He helps us understand that the Beatitudes of Jesus are not simply about our spirituality or a to-do list that helps us as individuals feel closer to God. He says it's about geography. The Beatitudes tell us where to stand. And it's where we stand, not just in relation to God, but to our neighbors, to those who are poor, who are hungry and grieving, who are struggling to start over with the weight of being misunderstood and mistreated because what they want to do is the right thing and to seek justice for others. 
Luke makes it clear that the Beatitudes Jesus declares are not just about maintaining personal righteousness or deepening that individual relationship with God. The Beatitudes are about a community of disciples who know where to stand and what to do. We stand next to Jesus, and we're about practicing care and compassion, embodying what Jesus meant when he said in that first sermon, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But they take it to the next level to say the Spirit, if it's on Jesus, means it's also on us. To continue embodying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and the scripture of justice, jubilee justice, is fulfilled in your hearing. We learn by practicing what we hear, turning our listening into living. Jesus did this too, you know, because he listened to his mama. He listened to his mother's prophetic lullaby about blessings coming to those who were lowly, filling up the hungry with good things, yet sending the rich away empty, scattering the proud and powerful in the thoughts of their hearts. That's from Advent, and it sounds a lot like blessings and woes to me. Mary taught her son, who then taught his disciples, that to be blessed is to have a special place in the heart of God. Not merely to be happy or to get what you want or to have your needs met. To be blessed is to have a relationship with God not dependent on things or lifestyle outcomes. And the woes, these challenges, apply to all of us when we think we can take care of ourselves. We don't need to trust God because we have all of these things that we rely on to help us out instead. These woes are challenges that apply to all of us when we maintain our wealth, our comfort, our reputation upon the poverty, hunger, suffering, and vilification of others. So Jesus, he won't not do this. He will not get off the level with us. Asking us, where are we standing? An insight from Free For All came in that in order to fully receive blessing or rejection from Christ, we first have to be clearly identified with Christ. A challenge in and of itself in our day when we can fully identify with lots of things that can describe us, that can fill us, we think. Where are we standing? Are we clearly standing with Christ? Can we say that about ourselves? Can we say that about our congregation? These are good questions, never fully answered because we are always changing. Our relationships are always changing. Therefore, the question is always worth asking. Where are we standing? We're called into the deep to leave behind whatever we thought this life might be, whatever we think church should be, 
and learn our true calling as disciples. Not just from listening to Jesus' teachings, but also from working alongside him to declare that God's presence is here already. Just as Jesus declared four blessings and challenges to his disciples, here are four blessings and challenges to the disciples of Providence Baptist Church. Yes, Jesus loves you, just as you are. And Jesus loves you too much to let you stay that way. Yes, Jesus blesses you no matter how much or how little you have. And Jesus blesses you with the discomfort at seeing the needs of others and knowing you can do something about it, but not expecting a reward or gain in return. Yes, Jesus blesses you. No matter if your home pantry is full of store brand or name brand items, or if your pantry is in the basement project house, Jesus also blesses you with the uneasiness that you have not shared as much as you could with the nourishment of life, bread, and stories with others you see as different than you. Yes, Jesus blesses you who are grieving all kinds of losses now, who are struggling with the consequences that come from making hard decisions, decisions that move you to tears, and that make you feel like your hearts are broken open as well as apart. And Jesus blesses you with the truth that this too shall pass. That joy and sorrow are the hands that move along the wheels of time. And that we're called to laugh and weep together. We're called to hold the Christ light for each other, taking turns with each other, holding the light as we walk this journey of faith. There are two sticky notes in your bulletin yellow one and green one. As you have received blessings and challenges, I invite you to now bless and challenge this congregation. Writing on one, the yellow sticky note, a blessing for the congregation. It could be a single word or a few words. What is the blessing, the good news, that you would wish this congregation to hold on to? as we grow and follow Jesus. And then on the green sticky note, I want you to write a challenge for this congregation. What is the discomfort, the uneasiness, the struggle that you wish to bless this congregation to wrestle with as we grow and follow Jesus? So a blessing on the yellow sticky this will come around if you need a sticky. And a bulletin. Blessing on the yellow. Challenge on the green. And in the silence that follows, use the Spirit's guidance. Stay open as you prayerfully respond how to write 
your blessing, your challenge, as we reflect and respond. And then after the benediction, as you pass the peace together, you're invited to bring those blessings and challenges up and place them in the net before the Christ life. The net on the communion table, the symbol that we trust Christ's call to let our nets down into deep waters so that we can pull up the new thing that God is doing in us and through us. Beloved, the good news is this. God is not done. God is not done with you. God is not done with us. So we need not be afraid. Thanks be to God.